Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Leon Fontaine. Leon is senior pastor of Springs Church with locations across Canada. He's also been Miracle Channel's CEO since 2010. Leon's teaching will help you develop your own personal relationship with Jesus and walk in God's promises. You can watch his program, Leon Fontaine, The Spirit Contemporary Life, weekdays on Miracle Channel. And now, Leon Fontaine will discuss what hope is and how it can bring you from survival to stability. He highlights how God's amazing grace can revitalize and strengthen your hope. Let's dive into the message. Jesus was walking along and there was a blind man. Okay, why do they call him a blind man? He has a name, he's married, he's got kids, he could be a great songwriter, he could be a wonderful dad, a wonderful husband, he could be the mayor of the whole town, this guy's brilliant, why do we call him by the one thing he doesn't have? Who you? You the blind man. But that's that's the way they're often noticed. Who's that lady back there? That's the widow. Okay, lots of women have lost their husbands, okay, but they're brilliant, smart, sharp, great mums, great friends, great leaders, great business people, great grandmas. Why are we calling them the widow? Well, there's the cripple. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because two legs don't work doesn't mean that's how you look at him. He could be the mayor of a city. He could be the president of America. This guy could be a genius who's rewriting, you know, physics. Why are we calling him the cripple? You know why? Because people, when they're in survival mode, begin to identify with what they can't do. Who's that? Oh, that's the poor man. Oh, which way do you see yourself? Who are you? Well, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the medium happy wife. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the handling it husband. Uh, I'm the, you begin to identify with the season you're in. And then hope begins to leave. Now, what's scary at that point, if another area of the four quadrants of your life is good, you'll begin to be attracted to that area. For example, home's lousy, but work they love you. Guess what happens? Work's lousy, but home is great. Guess what happens? Ministry is wonderful, but home, work, both lousy. They're volunteering every night at church. Leon, don't you like that? No. I send people home. What are you doing here? Well, you've been here every night this week. Aren't you married? Yeah. Well, go chase your husband around the house and get out of here. People tend to move towards where they feel good about themselves. Or maybe you're locked in all four quadrants in survival mode. Don't miss this series, okay? Because it's not hard. It's not hard. I want to unpack this. I want to show you how. We need to get out of survival mode. Now, there's a story in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
This is the Apostle Paul talking. He is stuck in survival mode in an area. Listen to this. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast, Paul is saying, in my infirmities, which means where he's weak, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in these weaknesses, in these attacks, reproaches, in my needs, in persecutions, in distression, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, listen to me, then am I. I strong. What a stupid statement. What a dumb statement. Like, I'm weak, I'm strong. What's he talking about? This story right here is one of the greatest portions of Scripture to bring hope to somebody who feels stuck. The Apostle Paul, by the way, spent days with God. It says, I saw heaven. I was taken into the third heaven. I don't know if it was physically or what. Only God knows. But Jesus spoke to him and talked to him. This guy had a, an incredible experience with God. And then he says, unless I should get exalted beyond measure, I was given a thorn in the side, a messenger of Satan. Now, bi biblical scholars have argued for years that it was some kind of a sickness. It was some... It says a messenger from Satan to buffet him. It's as plain as a nose on your face. What was the thorn? It was a messenger from Satan. Well, did God send it? I don't think he sends messengers from Satan. <laughs> well, then he allowed it. I don't think he just goes, oh, yeah, go ahead. Nailed him. No. It was Satan that didn't want him exalted beyond measure. Why? Well, one time he swam to an island, healed the guy from a snake bite with a touch, and they exalted him as a god, and he won the whole island to Jesus. When people have their hearts right with God, God's not opposed. He says, humble yourself, he'll exalt you in due time. He's not opposed to exalting you. He's opposed to you exalting yourself quick trip to losing position. So he's, here's Paul. He's about to do a, he's writing two thirds of the New Testament. He's unpacking what happened from the cross to the throne, which no one's really explained yet at that time frame. Then he says, I got a messenger from Satan harassing me. Ah, what happened? Every city he went to, he got beat. Every journey he was on, wild animals are attacking him. He gets on a ship, shipwrecked. It records one. He was shipwrecked three times. You think you got, you, you feel like there's a dark cloud, come on, and you got Murphy's Law written tattooed on your body. When every city you go to, they beat you and kick you out. Every ship you get on sinks. Everywhere you go, wild animals attack you. People talk about you. It's like, wah, wah. The apostle Paul says, I beg God. Would you deal with this? Is that the way you're praying now? God! Could use some money right about now. Anytime now. Lord, this woman you gave me. God goes, uh, you picked her. 
Paul. He says he cried out to God three times. And God's answer sounds depressing. The wording is, my grace is sufficient for you. What is that supposed to mean? That God gave me enough power to handle it? Just it's the cross you got to bear. Just get killed going through life. You know, you got enough. No, the word grace is the ability, the power of God, the presence of God. And it comes to you unearned, unmerited. It's a gift. God was saying to Paul, you deal with it with my grace. It didn't just mean just, and when you read the, Paul's life, you'll find him saying, and I got free from that thing. Now, in your life, whether you're in survival mode in finances, health, relationships, or you just feel like my life doesn't matter, I don't feel like God even uses me, what's my purpose? Whatever area that you're looking at, and you should have all four areas going, Okay, if you're locked in there and you can't change, in the New Testament, it's different than the Old Testament. In the New Testament, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, God's already given you everything you're ever going to need. For the rest of your life, it's, you have access to his power in any one of these quadrants. His power to make relationships work. His power to get your body healthy. His power to get your finances to prosperous. His power to help you have a life that helps others and ministers to others. He's already given you everything you need. So it's up to us to access that power. You see, hope postponed makes the heart sick. What is hope? Well, it just means you got no hope. No, when the banker doesn't give you hope, there's a hope that is a spiritual hope that comes from God. When the doctor gives you no hope, there's a hope that comes from Dr. Jesus. And many in this room have experienced it. When your wife or your spouse says there's no hope, our marriage is over, there's hope with God. And God can do the impossible. Now, hope is a Bible word, and it's one of the most precious words because hope is a confident expectation. It's different than faith, okay? Hope is a confident expectation. And where you've got hope, you've got somebody who's expecting. You ever watch a pregnant lady? It's, it's pretty cool because they're uncomfortable. It's growing. They could be throwing up could have morning sickness. They have to walk sideways through doors at one point. I mean, but there's, it's probably the most beautiful you'll ever see a woman. I don't know why pregnant women are so beautiful. They glow. Life is in them. Something is going to be birthed. Something is going to happen. And they know what they feel it. That's all they can talk about. You know, so you just see them rubbing their tummies. You, you see them walking around. And any day now, this gorgeous little baby is coming out. going to change your whole world, your whole life. That's what we call expecting. Are you like that in the seasons of your life? Are you expecting your relationships to get better? Just when the phone rings, it's not going, dear Lord. It's like, okay, God, this is probably it. I know that what I get, everything that goes on in you, you begin to expect. That's hope. That's Bible hope. If you're locked into a life right now where you don't feel hope in these four areas, 
then you need to pray a specific prayer. There's a prayer in the Word of God that says, come boldly to the throne of works. Come boldly to the throne of prayer. Just keep praying and bombarding heaven. No, it says come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's put up a Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, all right? So even if you've messed up and that's why that area of your life is so bad, maybe you made dumb decisions in business and it's your fault that you lost everything. It doesn't matter. You know, just come before God, get mercy. And then it says, and find grace to put up and stay in your situation. No. Find grace to help in time of need. If you're here and you're locked in to survival mode, you feel it, you experience it, you know it. The reason you have no hope is because you've tried everything. In your relationships, you've argued, you've fought, you've accused, in your finances, you've tried to save, you've tried to, to you, you've switched careers, you, in, your, in your area of health, you've tried everything on the internet from swallowing shark cartilage to smoking hay or whatever new thing is out there. In ministry, you've tried to become a prophet, an apostle, a pastor or whatever, you, and, and, and it just didn't work out. Bible says, ask for help. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And then it says, you're going to find mercy. But what's beautiful about this verse is this mercy. Then it says, and you're going to find grace to help. In Let's look at the word help for a minute. If your neighbor's out doing a fence and you walk by and say, hey, I want to help. His eyes are going to go, cool. And then you go, that's not much help. If your neighbor is building a fence and drilling down with that hand auger and dropping in posts and hauling lumber to the backyard, he's got slivers all down his arms, it's hot out, it's 90, and you walk over and say, I want to help. You know, just don't hand him a drink. Go carry some boards. When the Bible says that grace is here to help, that means God's grace gets involved in your survival season. That means God's grace comes in and empowers you. God's grace comes in and guides you. God's grace comes in and begins to influence the people around you. God's grace comes in and begins to connect the dots to the very next season you need in business, in relationships, in health. You say, well, I just prayed for healing. You know what? There are times healing isn't about a miracle. It's about wisdom. I talked to a pastor's wife one time who had gotten cancer in the hip and they had prayed and prayed and eventually through a long process she got healing and she goes, God spoke to her very clearly because she was one of these people who lived off of about three pots of coffee a day, never drank water, didn't care what she ate. It was, she was just not even interested in food. That's just how she lived. And God very clearly spoke to her and said, I want you alive for a long time. You go nourish your body. You cut your coffee down. You start drinking. And he gave her a bunch of simple things, very clear that she sensed on the inside she knew she had to do. And she brought her health right around. To me, that's as powerful and as miraculous as she got a touch on the head. <laughs> Boom, healed. 
and then goes back to drinking three pots of coffee, no water, and no healthy food. Sometimes we get so spiritual, we get so spooky and weird that we miss God when he's speaking to us. God, his grace will strengthen you. His grace will put a smile on your face as you begin to hope again that a season you're locked into is going to change. Now, what's interesting about this season of transition is that hope, as hope begins to stay there and you begin to stay in God's word and his promises, hope begins to drop into your heart and it does become faith. Now, faith is different than hope. Hope is this confident expectation, but faith, it's a convincing. Faith is an absolutely persuaded, and it's not a mental thing, it's a heart thing. But all of a sudden, your heart, and now the harvests begin to take place. When a seed is planted, you can't eat the harvest, it's just dirt. When you begin to plant God's word, when you begin to say, God, I'm asking for your help in this area of my life. Your grace, Jesus paid for it all. I don't, he paid for it all on the cross. Every promise is mine. Well, Father, I'm through with living like this financially. And your grace, you, your grace is unmerited, unearned favor. I declare it in my life. And I'm thanking you right now in advance that powerful things right now are mine. You begin to talk differently. You begin to act differently. And you're going to find that that area begins to change. Whether it's business, maybe God's leading you to begin to learn. Go to some night courses, read some books, hang out with some successful people. Your coffee clutch of depressed, unemployed people probably isn't the person to talk to when you're believing God for a financial miracle. Your coffee clutch of five guys who've all gone bankrupt and now are on pogey, probably not the people to talk to. If you're trying to take your... like. Sometimes, God, we need to act. Faith without works is dead. To activate faith, you need to act. God can't steer a person standing still. He steers their footsteps. The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't say their feet, because I could just stand here with my feet together and say, my feet are ordered by the Lord. Well, move. Well, I'm waiting for God to move me. Really? The footsteps. Start walking. I don't care if it's even in a different direction. You'll be amazed how God will begin to guide your footsteps. To where, and it says that, that whatever you put your hands to shall prosper. All right, what are you putting your hands to? That's different. Well, I know I'm doing the same old, same old. I'm going to work at 8.30, and I'm putting those little plastic pieces on the end of those shoelaces, but doing it for 25 years, and I'm going to keep doing it. When I worked at a hospital, uh, I was being trained as a paramedic and going out on calls. There was an engineer wonderful guy, became a good friend of mine, and he did not like his job. This man was an artist with wood. He would literally, I've seen him do it multiple times, he, if you had an antique table and chair set, and it was hand-carved, lion mane, eyes, claws, mixed with brass and upholstery, you'd hand him one chair and say, I've got three, I need a fourth. You could put it at that table and you would not be able to tell. He knew how to distress the wood and carve that lion, put the brass in place, put everything there. You couldn't take This guy was gifted. All the time he would say to me when we'd get alone, Leon, I so hate my job. How long have you been working here? Wow, 27 years. 27 years. What do you want to do? I would love to do this for a living, but 
you know, I don't think there's much money in it, and I can't afford to, and I got my kids and my wife. I was working there the year he retired. <laughs> I talked to him about 11 months to a year later. I said, man, how's it going? Leon, I'm so backed up. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I thought I wouldn't be enough work. He said, I can't do anything for anybody for four or five months. Here's this guy. Now, listen to me. He is so ticked off. Why? Because of the regrets. What are his regrets? I wished I'd have done this 25 years ago. He was a guy that could have transitioned from, and the word transition is everything. We'll talk about that. You got to transition from one zone to the next. And that can be uncomfortable. So I'm about to put you all in transition. Don't get upset if this series makes you see things you haven't seen before or makes you unhappy. You've been feeling the unhappiness. You've just been burying it. Let's get to where God's called you. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Leon Fontaine. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.